Welcome to the at home experience. I hope that you had a great Christmas time and that you're ready for the new year. This is a casual experience. Some of you are in your PGs still getting out of bed. So you might be with your family around the fireplace or just at the kitchen table on your mobile device. But we're glad that you're joining us today. One of the things that we do to get started is fill out a connection card. So we'd love to know that you're participating today. I just want you to know on that site that you're on, there's a place that you can let us know you're here and any steps you're taking uh, out of our experience today. Also, we are in a season at the end of the year, every year at Echo, where we receive an offering. This year we're calling it the Annual Impact Offering. And if you want to participate in causes outside of our walls to help children in need and starting more churches and so forth, check out that link and it will give you an opportunity to give before the end of the year. And then as we look into 2020, there's a couple things I want you to know before we get into the message today. One is that we're starting a new message series called Better. And it's going to be really practical ways that we make 2020 even better than 2019 so get ready for that and then lastly we go we're going on a journey together called the 21 days of prayer and it's beginning the second week of january all the way to super bowl and we would love for you to check out the resources and tools that we provide right here to get you ready for that 21 days of prayer so let's get ready now and hear a special message from pastor andy Merry Christmas, everybody, and Happy New Year to you. I want to say thank you for joining us for this very special Sunday where we are doing church together at home or online. And I love this Sunday because it's a great opportunity for us as a church to say thank you to our Dream Team. Uh, We call it Dream Team Appreciation Sunday to the five 100 plus of you who serve on a regular basis. Thank you for all the energy, the passion that you pour out from working with students and kids and hosting groups in your home to praying, to giving, to investing your time and energy into this vision. God's used you to do great things this year and Stacy and I are incredibly grateful for you. Also, um, I'm excited today to have Crossroads Church joining us. I wanna say welcome to you. This is a very significant moment for us to be together. Uh, In 2020, our two churches will become one church. We'll move the Fremont campus to Crossroads to become the Echo Crossroads campus. God's gonna do great things. We're so excited about that. And we're excited uh, because we're gonna start doing some things together in 2020. We're gonna kick off a brand new teaching series in January. I want to encourage you to mark your calendar and be back for it because we're going to talk about in the new year how a lot of times we set these lofty goals and don't attain them. And part of the reason why is because the goals are are not realistic. And a better goal is to be better. Better is realistic and it is attainable. You can be better in any area of your life with God's help. And we want to encourage you to come back for this series. We're going to give you practical tools and inspire you and really help you um, hone in on what is the one thing that if it got better would make everything better. And it's going to be a great teaching series. Now today when I think about this message, the lens I think through is like we're sitting down for a cup of coffee. Or um, I'm today at the Fremont campus, so maybe it's like we're hanging out uh, in, in the kids' room. We're talking, chatting it up, having a conversation. And I'm sharing with you some things that have been really significant for me in my own journey spiritually over the last year. When I think about December, what I tend to do during this week between Christmas and New Year's is I reflect back and I look ahead. And uh, one of the emotions that I often experience, if I'm honest, at this time of year is a little bit of regret. 
Um, sometimes it's because I think, oh man, I spent way too much money on Christmas. I ate way too much food. Uh, maybe you can relate to that. Or maybe even there are some things in your life that you thought would be different at the end of the year. I have some goals I didn't accomplish. I have some things that I wanted to change and are still the same. Now, there are great things that God did. And um, I, I like to move past that shame because that shame can keep me down. So really, the, the true power of reflection is moving to what are the great things that happened last year and then what are the things that with God's help I'd like to be different next year and that moves me to 2020 because when I'm thinking about next year I'm thinking about the 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 things that I'm excited about and there's a hope and an optimism that starts to fill my soul when I look to the future now when I look back and look ahead one of the things that I notice is that many times in my life, the things I want to change don't change. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you have a desire to be a better dad, but maybe you're the same you were a year ago. You have a desire to lose weight, same as you were a year ago. And this, this phrase is really important. Your direction influences your destination more than your desires. Your, your destination that you are getting to in life is influenced way more by the direction you're taking, the steps you're taking, than that desire to see change in your life. And there are some steps that you can take in cooperating with God that will produce the optimal amount of transformation in your life. And to help with that today, we're going to look at a story found in Acts chapter 12. And I want to to wrestle through this question, what if 2020 could be the greatest year of transformation in your life? How would that happen? How would you cooperate with God to experience the greatest amount of transformation. Acts chapter 12, Peter is um, in a prison cell. And he is waiting there. He he does not know what's going to happen next. In fact, persecution has already broken out with the church. And uh, James, the brother of John, has lost his life. Peter's there. The church is praying for him while he's in prison. And it says in verse 6, The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. So he's got one here, one here. He's got chains on. He's got people out there. And the the brother is asleep. He's not even worried about it. He trusts that the God of the universe who conquered the grave can take care of him. He's he's like totally confident at this moment in God's ability to care for him, which is kind of odd. I think if I were there, I'd be anxious. I'd be worried. I'd be thinking about dying and all these things. Peter's not. And God answers the prayer of the people who are earnestly praying for him. In verse 7, it says, Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. It shined in. And an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up! Now, notice that for a second. Like right there in the Bible, the angel uses the the word quick. And why would the angel have to say quick? Like, if he could wake him up, couldn't he certainly walk him out? Like, couldn't he do the waking and the walking? But somehow in this moment, the angel is like putting pressure back on Peter. The, the, the guards are going to wake up. Quick, get up. Get your clothes on. Get, get out of here. Because if you don't, you actually may stay stuck in prison. And he says to him, um, get up, get out. And the chains fell off of his wrist. In verse 8, the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. And the angel ordered him. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time thought it was still a vision. He was like, didn't realize it was actually happening. So it's interesting to me about this story is how God does the waking. He wakes Peter up, but he doesn't walk Peter out. Now he'll walk with him, but he's not going to walk for him. And this is a 
beautiful picture of the way transformation works in our lives. That God, He does the waking and He lets you do the walking. Let me say it one more time. God does the waking and lets you do the walking. Let's me do the walking. Transformation in your life is one part God initiating, waking you up to a new reality. It's another part your obedience to respond. And I, I want to encourage you today that when you, when you look to the future in 2020, there is great power available to you through the Holy Spirit to experience transformation. Many of us are like Peter, where we have been awakened spiritually. We're in relationship with Jesus. We said yes to Him. We're passionately following Him. But we're not liberated yet. And we're still sitting in a cell. And the chains have already come off, but we haven't walked out. I want to help you today to walk out. I want to help you walk out in some area of your life where you are still in bondage, where you still have not believed God for what your life could be like. And I'm going to give you some tools to help with that. So as we talk today, we're going to look at three letters, V-I-M, V-I-M. The V stands for vision, the I stands for intention, and the M stands for means. And this is an acronym that Dallas Willard, um, one of the great authors and, and writers of the, the 20th century um, and a part of the 21st century wrote specifically about transformation, spiritual formation. This is his acronym for how grace and effort work together to produce transformation. So the V, it stands for vision. And he says it like this, it's a mental picture of who I could become and what my life could be like with God's help. This is different than the vision a football coach gives to his team for the Super Bowl or a business leader gives for Q1 goals. This is a spiritual picture of what your life could be like and who you could become with God's help. Willard said this, uh, What we are aiming for in this vision is to live life fully in the kingdom of God and as fully as possible now and here, not just thereafter or hereafter. This is a vision of life that cannot come to us naturally. So when Jesus taught many times, he taught in parables. He said the kingdom of God is like, and fill in the blank, because he wanted people to have a picture. You know, he said it's like a, like a soil. Some soil is hard and the s- seed came down, it didn't produce fruit. Other soil was good and it produced fruit a hundred times. That's what your heart is like. And the word of God is the seed that can produce transformation. So all these pictures that Jesus gave were to give people a picture of what their lives could be like. That's why he would use pictures like the parable of the prodigal son, that this rebellious son took the father's inheritance and ran far away. And in their culture, the dad would have been really angry and probably would have sentenced this joker to death. But Jesus gives a different picture of God. He says, like a father waiting on his porch for his son to come home. And when his son comes, he runs and wraps his arms around him and kills the fattened calf and celebrates because the lost son has come home. That's, that's what God's like. So it's a picture that illuminates your mind and your heart to new spiritual realities. So Jesus taught this way. See, you're, you're wired as a human with when vision plops in your mind, it moves you in a, a direction. There's a great study, it's called the Harvard MBA study from 1979 about people who set goals. So they took like hundreds of students, um, asked them, do you set goals? Do you write them? Do you have plans? 84% of students said they had no goals. 13% said that they do have goals written down, but no plan. And 3% of the class had written goals, but no plans. So 10 years later, they came back. Um, The 13% who had written goals, but no plans were making twice as much as the 84%. And 3% who had goals and plans were making 10 times as much as the rest of the class. Now, I'm, I'm not super motivated by making 10 
times more than everybody else. I'm much more motivated by experiencing transformation in my life. And I bet you the same is true for you. But what if this psychological principle of clarity and vision produces transformation? And what if you had goals that instead of like, you know, number goals about the amount of money you make, and that's cool if you want to do that too, but what if your goals were actually transformation goals? Like when Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, let love be your highest goal. I want to encourage you to set some character goals this year, some transformation goals. So here's some questions to wrestle through. What kind of person are you or am I becoming? See, God's most concerned with who you are. God's way more concerned with who you are than what you do. And the greatest gift that you can give back to God is the person that you are becoming. God gives you the gift of salvation. He dies for you and me. He conquers the grave, puts his spirit in us, blesses us. And the gift we give back to him is the person that we become. You're not a product of your circumstances. Your character is formed and shaped by your choices over time. And when you start to shift your mindset to say, based on my current trajectory, who am I becoming? There's a real power in this. I want to encourage you to get that picture. And then lead into the second question of what kind of person do you actually want to become? Like, it, what, what is that picture you have in mind? Maybe it's a more loving father. Maybe it's a more faithful employee. Maybe for you it's to have greater joy and not be so anxious and depressed all the time. But that picture can start to produce internal desire for transformation. And then the third question is, what would it look like for Jesus to live my life or to live your life? And Jesus has given you a unique personality. He's given you spiritual gifts. He's put you in a certain set of circumstances. And Jesus would live your life differently than he would live my life. So I love to like wrestle through the question, if Jesus showed up and were to be the pastor of Echo Church, how would he lead it differently? If Jesus were to parent my three kids, how would he parent Cademan, Sammy, and Karis differently than I do? What would it be like for Jesus to live in my shoes and, and Stacy would be married to him? And that was kind of a weird thing to think about, but even just that image of him in my shoes, how would he do it differently than I do? And that he becomes my teacher and I become his apprentice. And then I, I get to see with my eyes mentally the kind of person that he wants me to become. That's, that's the vision aspect of it. Now, when I write these down and I pray through them and I dream about them, I start to get pictures that lead me to I, which is intention. Willard says, intention is the desire to be fulfilled and the decision, the desire for the vision to be fulfilled and the decision to pursue it. So there has to be a point at which you say, you know what? I'm going to go after it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to decide in my heart. Daniel resolved in the Old Testament in Babylon when he had all these, these foods and the, the religious laws of, of the king of Babylon shoved on him. It said that he resolved not to defile himself. So he made a decision inside his heart to do the right thing before God. See, God's grace um, is not opposed to your hard work. Many of us get confused and we think that like, well, you know, it's, you're not supposed to earn your, absolutely you're not supposed to earn your salvation. But God, God's grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And there's a very big difference between effort and earning. Now, effort comes from a different place in your heart than earning. Earning says, I'm trying to get approval. Well, as a follower of Jesus, if you put your trust in Him, you don't work for approval, you work from approval. So because of God's love, now you have 
the opportunity to become a different person. Because of what God has done to you and the Spirit of God, if you are His follower that's in you, there is now power to see transformation take place in your life. And there's new possibility. And what that new possibility does is it requires some effort on your part. And this this also is really connected to your, your view of God. How do you currently view God? And seeing God is so important uh, in a correct light is so important to your transformation and my transformation. Richard Rohr said, most of us were taught that God would love us if and when we change. In fact, God loves you so much so that you can change. What empowers change, what makes you desirous of change, is the experience of love. It is that inherent experience of love that becomes the engine of transformation or of change. So it's that love of God that He has for you that works with your desire to produce transformation in you. So I want to ask you, what do you want to be different? Jesus in John chapter um, 1 asked His disciples as He saw them following Him, He looked at them and He said, "What, what do you want? I think God wants to ask you today, what do you want? What do you want to be different? And the other question is, how badly do you want it? I think part of the reason why a lot of us don't experience more transformation is because we just kind of want it. You ever feel like that? Like, I kind of want to lose weight, kind of want to get in shape, kind of want to get out of debt, kind of want to be a better dad, kind of want to be a better mom, kind of want to get married, kind of want, kind of want, and you, your kind of want to is not enough. And I want to encourage you today that something has to... Sh- this is the power of 12 steps. Like you, you got to get to a point where you're at the end of your rope and realize that your, your current effort is not working. Your current approach is not working. And there needs to be more passion in your soul that drives you on. There needs to be a greater desire deep within you that produces your desire, that produces this willingness to stand up with God's help. I love in John chapter 5, like Jesus is one time with a, this guy. He sees him there beside this pool waiting to get in. He's been lame for years. He's, he's been begging and, and wanting money. And Jesus asked the guy, like, do, do you, do you want to change? Do you want to grow? Do you, do you want to be healed? He says. Um, he saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. In John chapter 5, would you like to get well? Jesus asked. I can't, sir. Sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool. And when the water bubbles up, someone else says, uh, always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus looks at him and says, he doesn't take his excuse. He says, stand up, pick your mat up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. And there's, there's, a, there's a power in Jesus' word, words to him. I think he's saying that to you right now. Stand up. Stand up, take responsibility for where you are. Like a man, like a woman, stand up and believe God that your life with His help can be different. This is, this is the beauty of the way that God works. You know, we, we put our trust in Jesus for what He's done on the cross, His resurrection from the dead. And then He plants His Spirit inside of you. He wakes you up, but He doesn't walk you out. He'll walk with you, but He's not going to walk for you. Walk out. Walk out, friend. Walk out of anxiety in 2020. Walk out of your addiction this year. Walk out of your isolation into community. Let this be the year that you walk out with God's help. Now, you, you need one more ingredient. We, we all do. It's the means because you, you have the desire, but now you, you need some means of transformation. Now, means are another way of saying it is spiritual practices, spiritual habits. We call them 
holy habits around here. Willard says that they're activities that open our lives through the action of God in our heart, our mind, our body, soul, to progressively remake our personality. So a means of transformation can be any activity that you participate that brings you close to God that produces transformation internally. I um, last year had this guy from our church, a good friend of mine, Brandon, who programmed for me. It was actually, I did more days of training in 2019 than any year of my life, thanks to Brandon. Now, Brandon would put these, these workouts in an app called True Coach about four or five days a week. They're in there. I go in there. I go to the gym. I do the workout. And I started, it was funny to me thinking about like, what if, what if Brandon gave me the workout I went into the, the gym, there's all these weights and there's a treadmill and bike and all that there. And I just clicked off, you know, I'd done it, but I didn't actually do it. I didn't pick the weight up. There'd be no transformation in my body. There's an active partic participation with the weight that produces the transformation. The same is true with spiritual disciplines, but it's putting yourself in the proximity of God so that you can experience greater levels of transformation. So I'll give you a couple examples of these. You can write them down um, and use different ones of them like tools in your journey spiritually. So you got Bible study, not like in a, this intellectual kind of lifeless reading of the Bible. I'm talking relational, prayerful, asking God to show you things about Him, R reading in a way that opens your eyes to who He is, who you are. You got prayer, scripture memory. Now prayer, you got intercession, prayer walking, prayer driving. Keep your eyes open if you're prayer driving. But you, you got a lot of different ways you can pray. Scripture memory, taking verses of the Bible and meditating on them like the Lord is my shepherd, and he, he, he leads me beside still water. He, do, do, Philippians 4, verse 8, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, by thanks, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That verse just nourishes my soul. Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Bless His holy name. Bless His soul. Praise the Lord. Forget not all His benefits. He who heals your diseases, forgives your sins, crowns you with love and compassion, renews your strength so that it's renewed like the eagles. And these verses, they ignite faith, faith in your heart when you memorize them. So you get key verses in there and they produce transformation in you. So you're in a situation, you remember the verse, boom, life is inside of you again by the power of God. Fasting, another way depriving. Somebody said, I am fasted a day in my life. Um, we're going to do a 21-day fast together as a church in January. I want to invite you to all kinds of resources. Depriving your flesh sometimes makes room for God. It reminds your, your flesh, that you, your flesh is not in control, God's in control. Um, things like journaling and reflecting, getting in community. Echo groups is another way to be in community where you're around other people who can support you. Being in church weekly, regularly, celebrating, there's a power in that. Um, trusting God with your generosity, giving a tenth of your income, and then progressively moving towards a life of irrational generosity. Participating in the annual impact offering is another way that you can, you can participate with your generosity. All of these are active means of participation that can produce transformation. So here are a couple questions. Number one, what's one holy habit you could start this year? And number two, what's one holy habit that you could build on this year? And I believe that as you do these things, God will do great things in and through your life. Now, I want to encourage you to go back through. You, you've probably written down a few questions. cool thing about this video is you can rewind it. Um, you, or you can go back and you can look at some of the stuff earlier in the video. Write these questions down. Do something with what we've talked about 
today. I want to encourage you um, to participate with us as well as we wrap up the year through our annual impact offering. Great things are already happening. Uh, We have a great opportunity between now and the end of the year to give above and beyond our regular generosity to start churches, to partner with Foster the Bay, to help launch the Echo Crossroads campus. Great things can happen as we participate together. I'm believing God for a great year in our church, through your life, in you. And I want to encourage you with this last verse as we wrap up. Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Oh, my dear children, I feel as though I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in our lives. My prayer is that for you, the character of Jesus would be fully developed in your life, that this would be the greatest year of transformation you've ever experienced. So God, I bless each person today who's listening. May 2020 be a year of great transformation in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.